What's up, dude? Hey, man. How are you? Oh, wow. Look at my background. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> man, I wish I even understood how to... Oh, I think I got it. Oh, nice. I'm looking normal go. now. Yeah, yeah. There you go. This yeah. looks fine. This looks fine. Yeah, it looks good, man. Johnny. Johnny Fisher, local opener, man. How are you doing? I just woke up. I am. I am ready for the world. How are you? Good. I'm doing good, man. I'm uh, I'm actually in your state right now. Really? I'm uh, enjoying some California right now. Where are you at in California? Uh, I'm in Joshua Tree currently for a few days. Oh, what are you doing there? Uh, my girlfriend is having a birthday, and we both got fully vaccinated and both tested positive a few months ago, so... We figure, you know, we can come hang out in the desert, and that seems pretty safe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's nobody around you. Mm-hmm. So you got tested. You had for corona- sure. You had coronavirus. I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoa. How um, what, how was it? It was fine because I was already vaccinated, so oh. I didn't have any of the side effects. Oh. Um, so yeah, I got a little sleepy. I was I was fairly sleepy every day. Like walking up a flight of stairs, I'd be like, "Damn!" I mean, that's already kind of how I feel, but it was even more exaggerated for sure. So you had you got coronavirus in between your first and second vaccine shot? I just did Johnson and Johnson, so I just oh, had one okay. shot. Okay, and then and then like three and a half weeks after uh, I was supposed to be clear, I tested positive. Whoa, gnarly. So, really weird stuff. Whoa, crazy. But it wasn't that bad, you know? It's like, if you can uh, get the vaccine, you can still definitely test positive, but at least you won't, like, or at least the chances are that you won't have as many right, or right. as intensive side effects. So, that was really lucky. I, I picked the right time to sneak into a grocery store and get stuck in my arm. That's right, for sure. Totally. Oh my God, man. That's crazy. Okay, well, that makes me feel a lot better because I got the vaccine too, but I'm like... Is it really going to work? Is this shit really going to actually work? But it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like it did work for you. Yeah. Uh, all my friends that also got it, I work at a coffee shop, and that's mm. where it all went down somehow. Like eight of us went down within like two days. Oh, my God. And uh, no one else had been vaccinated. So they're, they were definitely struggling, like really bad coughs. And wow. Just weird, weird stuff that I wasn't really going through. And Right. We all went to a state park for a few nights because we were like, well, we all tested positive so we can hang out together. <laughs> Got the so antibodies, we went out to yeah. a state park. And, yeah. So they were just, I felt really bad for them. They were all sniffling and putting blankets on and then taking them off and then falling apart. And I was just like, let's go exploring. I want to go on a hike. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, my God. That's crazy, man. That's so, that's so wild, man. Like, I, I uh, yeah. I just started DJing again. I DJed the last two weekends <laughs> and sure. it's, it's it's gonna be a weird transition, man, for everyone. Like to get back into a little bit of normalcy, like getting out there and being in front of people and then they're trying to walk up to the booth and talk to me. I'm just like, Don't talk to me, no requests, do not yeah. talk to me. Like uh-huh. and it's it's gonna take totally. a little bit of an adjustment, but uh yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm I, I'm nervous, but I think it's good. I don't know. Hopefully soon, this will all be this will all be yeah. over with. Like, I don't know. But how it do you feel? It also feels like guilty. Do you feel yeah. guilty? Like 
after like once you even if you've been vaccinated and you've tested positive and you're not really a threat to anyone you still feel like over obligated to like wear your mask yeah and stuff even though you're like i'm not a threat to you or anyone but you feel like you're a jerk you know at totally. this point you're like i have to keep this going like because not everybody <laughs> is vaccinated yet right. or people are old or pre pre-existing conditions and you're like right I don't know how getting struck by lightning two or three times happens and maybe it could happen <laughs> to me, but, um, you know, I feel like that, that whole thing, distance and feeling strange, like approaching people will probably be around for the next year or so still just cause we've been sort of, I don't know, sort of the new mentality of just like be kind and keep your distance right. is such a mantra now, you know? Totally. And and I like it, man. I really I really like that mantra. Like I for one, I hate being sick. <laughs> like stay away from me. Like yeah, I'm gonna definitely. like in the future as I see it going down, is that like if I have a cold, like the common cold, I'm still gonna wear my mask because I don't wanna give it to other people. And I really hope that gets totally. I really hope that gets adopted because I fucking hate getting the cold, especially if it's just from some fucking person who didn't want to wear a mask and like not spread Definitely. their cold to me. Like, yeah, exactly. That's that's what that's why I see it going because, you know, you, you've gone on tour like there's nothing worse than a fucking band member getting on tour. Like, I mean, getting sick on tour and then like your drummer sick and he's like passed out in the van while everyone else is doing fun stuff or like you're afraid he's going to get all of us sick in the van. Then if we're all sick in the van, then 100%. we're. Oh, it just circulates and it's so yeah. nasty. And as the singer, like for you, it's like, yeah. what are you supposed to do? Like, what do you want me to like hum the songs or like, <laughs> let's let the drummer sing tonight. I'll just play drums. It's like, yeah, totally. It wouldn't be the same thing. <laughs> um, yeah, that's my biggest fear. I once saw sick. a band. Yeah, I once saw a, a band. I, I don't think they're anyone anyone would even know. It was like a Texas thing a long time ago, mm. but they their singer got sick and they ended up uh, letting the bass player sing and it was surprisingly good it was yeah. like it was kind of like the same band because i think they had been a band for so long that he just knew all the parts already which is pretty cool but yeah that's not that's not normal typically people just cancel those shows and rest their totally. voices because they're like your boy can't hit but one note and it sounds like this all night long <laughs> yeah totally i definitely have tried to play shows like that like in my younger days and i i could not do it and now i'm like okay if it's really that bad i don't i just don't play the shows you know if it's really that bad totally then you can just dj yeah you know there's your healthy alternative you can just dj and make a night of it still and have fun dude we we have definitely your cover song you just put out is perfect do you, oh, yeah. do, you do you dj your cover song out no man the bar i've been djing actually has my record up on the wall and i'm always like afraid people are gonna be like is that him wait why is he on the wall and why is he, why is he plugging himself yeah yeah <laughs> exactly so I th i'm worried about Funny. that all the time i have not played my cover live i don't know man you know the cover that cover was just like i was having such writer's block during the beginning at the start of the pandemic i was like let me just start something right. from start to finish and I was like, a cover would be good. Oh, I love that song by Michelle Branch and Santana. Like, this might this might break the writer's block, which it kind of did. I wrote a few songs after that. But, like, uh, totally. yeah, I, I think just seeing something through from start to finish, like, really helps. Like, do you have any tips? Like, what's your songwriter's block, like, tip to break, to break through to the other side? Oh, man, exactly what you did. Um, yeah. A lot of the times I'll – 
listen to sort of maybe like a, a playlist of genre of music that I don't often listen to. And then I'll just play along to it. And because I'm not that musician, I, it, what I end up with sounds nothing like that song, but mm. that chord structure may have done something different or like, Hey, the lead line here is a xylophone. Like right. that's bizarre. Or like, uh, you know, whatever, a trumpet sound, which I know you use you, with your tunes too. You send you tend to go back and forth with like electronic and samples, but then also right. there's like a classic element of like, I love classic horns, yeah. groove, like soul R and B, which is awesome. And I feel that way too. And there's, there's limitless amounts of it out there of every genre of R&B and groove across every country. It's like endless, like even the South American groove music mixed right. with like weird, like Indonesian, like soul that's happening right now. It's like, it's really bizarre, but it's cool because they, none of them sound the same. So yeah. like, if ever I'm stuck, I'm like, what are they doing over there? And like, man, that makes me excited for music again. So right. I'm going to maybe introduce you know a little piece of that into my music which i think you know everybody you know everything's been done for the most part unless you're you've made a homemade instrument that no one's heard of and right you know you're singing some weird gregorian guttural chant stuff that's probably <laughs> never been done in a mainstream way but you know i like uh like you know i i enjoyed taking little feelings from other songs and other bands because it's like my little tip of the hat of like, I really love what you do. So maybe I like the half of this lick is a little, you know, half of your lick. And then I'll message him and be like, Hey, you know, your song, though it sounds nothing like this. Yeah. Sort of created this songs and I, and like, it's really cool. And, you know, sometimes they don't respond and it's funny or <laughs> other times they're like, I'm going to sue you. I'm just kidding. But uh, everyone's really nice. And uh, and I think everyone takes it the same way. It's like a, a means of kindness to sort of stem your inspiration from someone else, you know? Right, right. Um, I, think, I think the first time I learned uh, anything about that or like the whole philosophy was like, early 2010s maybe 2009 when i first started getting into dr dog and dr dog was getting fucking oh, ripped, sure. getting ripped by pitchfork for being too derivative and and like watching interviews with them and seeing them explain that like all music is derivative it's all taken from something so you know if that's what they want to say in the in the review that's fine it was like their attitude was like whatever you can't do anything about it, it is what it is and and uh that's when i realized <laughs> for the first time too i was like oh that that's very true because I was so worried about like sounding like other people. I don't want to sound like anybody else. I want to do my own thing, which I'm still like that. But like, if you do something that sounds similar, like that's just gonna happen. We've, totally. we've been making yeah, rock like, music I for tell so our fucking long this all now. The time. Yeah, it's dead. I yeah. mean, to, to the to the extent that like leather jackets and stuff. If you're that guy, like it is still cool. Like no knocking it, but it has been done now for decades. Yeah, and. All, all art inevitably grows doesn't mean it's not like, you know, a revolving wheel of it. It doesn't mean right. that that won't come back. Maybe in like 2090 leather jackets and being a greaser and riding motorcycles right. and playing rock and roll will be cool again. And that's cool. No knocking it. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I think uh, I think um, I don't know. I just I, I oftentimes maybe hit that writer's block more often than not because I try to create every day or every other day 
And at a certain point, you're like, I just made the same song 12 times and I can't put this out because everyone will be like, that's the same song. And like, I know like this is a dumb fact, but like Nickelback is the only band that sued themselves and lost (laughs) because they were on two different labels and two songs from two different records sounded too similar. So the old label that still represented Nickelback sued the new song from Nickelback, their artist on a different like shared label sued themselves and lost and i'm like how embarrassing is it to sue yourself and lose because you're unable to create like even a just a different song like if you're only going to put out 100 songs before you die how are you going to make two of them the same it's like (laughs) painting and being like i'm going to draw a circle on this canvas and then on like 50 in be like i'm going to draw a circle on this canvas oh wait i already did that like why would i make two of the same thing I think Nickelback is really catering to a certain audience that like they want that same song over <laughs> and over again, you know, just like you're so right. variants. Like, yeah, fact, they'd be upset. Right. They'd be upset if they heard something new. Like, I don't know. There's that fine line, yeah, I guess. I, like I, people, people want to hear songs that are like, oh yeah, this is that sound. I know I love this band and I love their sound <laughs> and they're, they're going to keep playing that sound. But then when people deviate from that sound, you're going to lose fans and you're going to gain fans. Like, this is coming from me. I I, have, I went surf rock to jangle pop to, you know, as to what I'm doing now with the disco and soul stuff. Like, right. I've, I definitely have lost people along the way, but I've also gained a lot of people on the way. So Totally. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever feel depressed on that? Like, I feel like that expectation of fans... Uh, in particular that fell in love with maybe your original sound. Right. It's always the first album or the first EP or something. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, man, whatever happened, you guys stopped making this sound. And you're like, man, like how could you possibly stay in the same mindset for 20 years? Otherwise we would be like, you know, argumentatively like emo music. It's like taking back Sunday. Like they made the same album over and over, but they were catering to that crowd. And now that crowd's 40 and taking back Sunday's merch table are like baby onesies and pacifiers and shit because totally. they've just maintained that. But also kids in high school and middle school are still listening to like Under Oath and Chiodos right. and stuff right. as if it's relevant and it's not. And those dudes are all like 42 years old, but they can only like Under Oath can't make like a chill like minus the bear album or right. like a like a bony bear album or like be like let's make pop music like that right. would be ridiculous i would yeah. hate as an artist to pigeonhole yourself so much in a genre that it would be bizarre for you to make anything else tasteful in any other genre totally. you know and you know um, it's you know you kind of have to give credit to some of those bands because it is cyclical and now it's back you know, they, sure. they, they yeah. waded through the water. They made it through the 2010s where it was like <laughs> irrelevant and not cool. And now emo is making its way back. And uh, I think a lot of these yeah. bands, this is their I'm moment. About it. That, that big album they had in 2004, it's time to tour it. This is it. Yeah. In its entirety. I mean, wouldn't that be, that would be insane. Like, I feel for like the wives of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> Where like they've been home for 10 years just doing dad stuff and stuff. And then they get a call one day from their agent and they're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But you guys got to like lace up the boots. We need you back out there. <laughs> we need you back out there. Oh, man. The fans need you. Yeah. yeah and, was- and like those bands have survived in the weirdest markets. 
Like, they don't play L.A., they don't play San Francisco, but they will play Stockton, Fresno. Like, maybe they play Joshua Tree. Maybe they play, like, in the middle of America. But they have managed to survive, um, I think, just not, like, in New York and all these other different bigger cities that you would, you know, yeah. Right, totally, totally. Yeah. Not knocking Stockton or Fresno, but I personally have never played there. I'm sure they're awesome places, like... But I've never, I haven't played any of those places yet. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't either. You know, I think the suburbanist, is that, a, I don't know if that's a word, but sure. the most suburban area in California I've been was like Santa Ana. Yeah. And stuff there to like, uh, is it like the observe, is it the observatory yeah, that's the there? Observatory. Something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a big venue. What Huge. a like honking place. Yeah. So big, and the and the fans are. I got lost are, a couple of times. The fans are crazy, man. Those kids who show up to show it in Santa Ana go nuts. I've never seen um, like a age group or a youth that goes so hard like at a show. I know, and yeah. I find that like I, because we talk about this as a band constantly, and one of the best or one of the biggest ways to get a band to come back somewhere is for the crowd to just be going ape shit, I right. guess it. Otherwise it's like, even if 400 people show up to your show, if they're all just standing there silent yeah. or it's like weird and they don't know if the song's over. So then you have to like, be like the song is over. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like weird vibes, <clears throat> but El Paso, like it's Laredo, awesome. any of those border towns, Hispanic crowds, I, I think it, they they were saying more so is because not a lot of people stop in El Paso. Right. Like it's not a major tour stop. So like those kids will drive across the border through customs to go to a, an indie rock show in like right. a 600 cap room. And it's like, I don't know, it's just exciting where I feel like sometimes you might play in like a major city like Chicago or Atlanta. And these kids have been to like four shows this week and right. maybe they're just kind of tired, you know, maybe their ears are tired and they're tired. So to go and hit those like weird markets that just have people that just, they're like, I don't care they if I have school tomorrow, work tomorrow, if church is tomorrow, right. your boys crowd surfing, totally and laughing and goofing off. It's like, what other time is there like to do that? It's not like you're going to like be out like at a track meet, just like crowd surfing with your friends and laughing and right. taking little shots under Dude. your jacket in the crowd or whatever. It's like, you know, it's fun. El Paso is such a good, uh, El Paso is such a good example because like when we played there, it was just like, please come back. We, we love shows. Please, mm. No one ever stops here. Like they were so forward about saying, please come back to yeah. El Paso. It's a great fucking place to play. And I was like, yeah, hell yeah. I will now because you said of so. Course. Like you've made, you've made <laughs> that, you've made that connection clear that like, we love you. Please come back. I'm like, all right, I, I love you too. I will come back. You know? Absolutely. Well, Check out Laredo as well. If you're really? like leaving Austin. Uh, I mean, even San Antonio for that matter. I'm sure you've played San Antonio, but yeah, San Antonio is great. That whole that whole southwest side of Texas is just like I'm from Texas, so oh, I'm really? not being biased to everyone. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm from a well. I was born in Dallas, only lived there for a year, but mm. I was raised in East Texas and Southeast Texas, a couple different towns. But I just feel like that crowd is very comparable to like Santa Ana and very comparable to like weird towns in the South that people don't stop as well. 
Yeah. They're just like extremely grateful. And not to say that people in cities aren't as grateful, but I bet if those same kids flew to see your show in El Paso, mm -hmm. they would be like, dude, this is the biggest band. I've, <laughs> like clearly the crowd's going like, but you could be anybody. You could be like, you could be Creed, a Creed cover band. Right. And those kids would just be like, yeah, because they're just so happy totally. to just be out and hanging out. I agree. And uh, the the battle in life is to, to maintain that excitement and, you know, like luster for life forever. Like right. I've always wanted to be like a 70, 80 year old man, you know, still at shows you know, maybe I'm creepy, but I'm also just like, hey, I just love shows. I've always been doing them. Like, come talk to me. Like, come right. hang out. I like, feel like that excitement for music should never really fade. But I never see just a rogue 80-year-old dude at my shows. But, like, <laughs> I hope to be that guy, you know, just, like, yeah. follow around cool in indie bands and be like, man, I'm, like, I'm your roadie now, dude. I'm in my RV. I'm right, retired. Right. Your boy's just going to be supporting you guys, buying your pizzas and hanging out, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know if I've seen any 80-year-olds, but I have seen like 50, almost 60 at the shows. And, and Do you think uh, that they're bringing the kids or are they on their own? Do I they can't just, tell. I do can't, you think that they're... they're... They have a drink in their hand and they're usually with like two other people their age. I can't tell. This is this has always been in the Bay Area, in San Francisco. I don't know if it's just like older tech, like dudes hanging out. Like they're cooler. Yeah, yeah. they're just a little bit cooler. They get it. Yeah, they get it. They've been around. <laughs> they 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 saw San Francisco change, and you know, yeah, there's still a little bit sure. of, of old San Francisco in some of those people. And and uh, yeah, they're always cool. That you know, the one guy I'm thinking of in particular is like I. He was like, oh, I'm from. Glasgow. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Man. I love bands from Glasgow. He's like, yeah, you sound like Orange Juice. I'm like, oh, thanks. He's like, the problem is no one knows who the fuck Orange Juice is here. I'm like, oh, okay. All right. Cool. I'll take it, I guess. Like, yeah, I know. I know, but hey, that's fun. San Francisco is a crazy place, man. And, and I'll, I'll take it. I like those people who are just hanging in the back. Older dude just coming to a show drinking a fucking shot and just like great set like okay i've seen a lot of bands yeah. i've seen a lot Man, of bands like okay last yeah. time uh last time i was in san francisco because our last tour got canceled before we made it to the west coast we were in oh. we were in a boulder um colorado on like march 16th and i think everything shut down then and then so we had to we spent one more night in denver and then drove home the next day um, so we never made it all the way out there again, but the last time we were there was two summers, like two years ago with the No Vacation crew mm. and we played Great American Music Hall. Oh yeah, that place and is awesome. And my aunt lives, yeah, it's so fun. And my, my aunt lives in San Francisco. So her and I sold merch all night together. Just me and my aunt just kicked it back there. And just, that's awesome. It was wonderful. She was, she was a blast. She was like wearing all all the merch, just even like the sideways hat, just yeah, like yeah. slinging to kids. And it was pretty it. funny. I love <laughs> it, man. Wait, so that was on the last tour, right when Corona started? That was, well, I played Great American Music Hall with, uh, like I, I play in Okie Dokie as well. Right. And so we, we were out with No Vacation two summers ago. And then we were out with Breakup Shoes and Somersault in february to march but mm. then we only got to play three weeks of the six-week tour that's right that's right 
Oh, wow. But it was a hoot what we did play. It was really interesting. We saw <laughs> yeah. snow, we saw heat, we saw everything. And then COVID and then a snowstorm hit again. And I was like, and a, a tornado hit our neighborhood and took out our keyboardist and our singer's house while we were oh. on tour. We were in Canada. So it was like one thing after the other. It was like, oh, okay, their house is gone. So like all of the music scene and friends of ours gathered and like cleared out the whole house and moved everything into this mastering studio dudes like their mastering company has like a whole storage locker yeah and they just filled it with their whole house like a grand piano all this outboard wow. gear all our microphones everything was just like with no roof on top windows out walls out so like they're like you got to get it pretty soon or either people are going to loot our home studio right. or it'll rain and ruin everything yeah. If it's not already ruined. The grand piano didn't make it. Oh, really? But um, yeah, that one's a, it was a goner. The junk people came and grabbed it. Oh, that sucks. But yeah, so it was weird. We got hit by a tornado and then two months or two weeks later, the tour got canceled. And then, yeah, just uh, a couple other hilarious things around town just uh, keep happening. But I feel like at a point now where after so many bad things happen, you know, like, you just understand that like that just happens all the time. Like bad right. thing. It's not like, you know, it's not like you're a, a victim. Right. It's not like Corona picked me to punish or a tornado picked me. It affected everybody. So like, yeah, I, I can't like really be like my life sucks or because my house didn't get knocked down. I lived right. one street away from them and somehow the tornado's course was like perfectly parallel to our street and wow. took the whole other street out. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm not laughing out of, you know, like making fun of them, but it's just, just so ridiculous. You're just like, man. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's outrageous. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I know um, I do that I all the time. I'll laugh it. at something that's just like so ridiculous. I'm like, oh, my, you imagine that? And they're just like, why are you laughing? I'm like, It's just so <laughs> crazy that like, how do you not laugh at that? Especially looking back as it's been like, you know, so many months later now. Like, but how have you guys rebuilt? Like, how has it been like? Have people, have you taken anybody in? Like, do they have new places to live? What's, what's the aftermath of the tornado? Yeah, like, um, well, the tornado thing was strange because it took out like our most popular music venue on our oh. side of town. And it took out, you know, really like timeless bars that have been there forever and ever that we used to go to when we were freshly 21. Right. And, just like a bunch of, uh, basically it randomly hit like the strip of things that probably hold the most memories for most mm. people, uh, as well as like the historic neighborhood of homes and stuff. So um, it was a bummer, but I think that through COVID and the tornado and, and a million other goofy things, and then, you know, just sort of civil, civil unrest amongst the whole world, I guess, or right. the whole country. It was like everyone felt really banded together. At least I would say the music scene in Nashville sands like country, mm. uh, you know, are pretty like-minded people. You know, you're hard pressed to meet like a musician that you respect and they're like, Trump 2020, right, like right. you didn't meet those people. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you know, everyone was very kind. Everyone was very like mask friendly, even though it's the South. And even right. though we have Broadway, which is downtown and, you know, Kid Rock has a bar where they just don't, <laughs> they never wore masks. And he just accepted the, the fine every night. Wow. Um, Cause he was like, I won't do it. 
Like it's all yeah. a joke. It's all a lie. And I'm just yeah. like, man, Kid Rock, Kid Rock's not up to date with the Nashville music scene and trying to help us get back on the road. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. Man, yeah, but, Kid. Yeah. I was just say Kid Rock, man. He's uh it's so weird because I, I, you know, I used to love him as a kid, like in the early '90s or in the yeah. mid, mid to late '90s, yeah. like when you I had was watching. To. Yeah, totally. man, and it's just uh, <laughs> it's crazy to see what that man has become, what a lot of those people from that scene have become, and and uh, you know, don't don't worship your idols, I guess I should say. <laughs> I don't know. What yeah, it's totally to true. Yeah, we could have seen that one coming uh, <laughs> in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like alternatively like you know uh like do you follow probably Petey? yeah the he's he yeah love his music it makes me laugh but it's also quality totally his videos make me laugh and that video of like the man under the tarp where fred durst is under the tarp and right it's like for me at least that kind of thing or even like you know and i haven't looked too much into it but like even like vanilla ice like I would have tagged them instantly of being like, those dudes probably are going to go downhill most likely. But then it's like, they're actually like some of the nicer ones that came out of it compared to like all the other creepy, like puddle of mud or like, what were those other ones? Like Chevelle, like all those dudes are just like total dirt bags. And And then you're like, wait, vanilla ice and Fred Durst are cool. No way. Totally. (laughs) I've actually, I've actually talked to Fred Durst a couple of times now. He, he, and he I'm had, sure he's friendly. He's, he's super friendly. He's like, love the music, man. I'm like, thanks. I appreciate that, Fred. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. <laughs> Thank you, Fred. Yes, yeah, We're I, on a first name I, basis now. I, I respect this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's got to be nice. Totally. That's cool. Yeah. Meeting people that are like maybe not a musical influence, but also maybe like just a plain still, influence. Like still, yeah. That's some part of your life. Right. Absolutely. It's weird to meet them. Absolutely. Do you feel less like nervous to talk to those idols, like people that don't really like you're you're not like trying to dress or act or do? Yeah, the same I'm not trying to as, open up know, for him like, either. You know? <laughs> yeah, but meeting those people is way easier than like. And for me, even like legacy acts, like older acts, I just mm. know they're gonna be nicer, so I'm less nervous. But if I go up to a band that's like my age, and I'm just like. Hey, I know this is weird, but like, I really like you guys. Wow. Like, I instantly feel like they're looking at me like, cool, man. And I'm like, all right, well, see it. <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's my inner working thinking. Like, I can't be like that and I can't treat people like that. Like, if people like DM totally. me and they're just like, yo, man, love your music, like, I respond back. Like, I don't ghost people like yeah. in that way. And, and I don't think other bands our age should do that to each other. Like, if if this is like the whole point of the podcast, <laughs> we can't be that way. We should open up the community a lot more and just talk to people and find if you like their music, that's fine. If you don't, that's also fine. Don't be an asshole to people because you don't like their music. Like uh, if you're totally. still if you're this age, I'm 30. I turned 31 like in two days. Like if you're still doing it at this point, you love it. This is your life. Yeah. This is the life you've chosen. Like, it's very hard. No one makes a lot of money. Like, some people don't make any money, but it's still very fun. And we're do. I'm do. At least for me, I'm doing this for fun, and I'm getting back to the point of doing this and doing making moves all strategically. And if I open for this person, that means so and so's label will see me, and blah blah blah. That shit got 
so wrapped up in my head in my mid 20s that like I I wasn't having fun anymore and now I'm in my 30s and I just want to have fun if if I take a tour it's because I think it's going to be fun not because I think it's going to be good for my career it's like oh I'd like to hang out with that band for like a month that sounds fun like I'll take that like that's like my rule right now and as far as working with booking agents or managers it's just people who love the project. Like even if they're so-and-so is at a bigger company, but this person who's at a smaller booking agency just loves the project so much. All right, let's work with them. Cause they're obsessed. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. And if any bands are watching this in terms of our sweet 30 year old advice, yeah, it's like, I totally agree with that. It's like, we have a smaller agency now, but we play the exact same rooms. Right. And if anything, we get better, we get better offers and guarantees because that guy's actually like fighting for us instead of a big agency who has like 20 bands bigger than us. Right. And we're like the bottom of it all. Mm-hmm. And like when we were well, with an old band, I was in, in college, uh, we were listed right under Snoop Dogg. And I remember <laughs> being like, that's really cool but I'm never going to play with him and I will never play with any of these artists because they're all way too big and yeah. not in our genre. It just doesn't make any sense. Makes sense. Is it cool to have my name under them? Yes. Does it help my career? No, yeah. it does not. And, and to have a small agent fighting for you or a manager that wakes up every day, sending emails and lining things up and taking care of your questions, then like that's, that's when you're, you know that's when you should be comfortable even if things aren't happening things aren't happening for a lot of people it doesn't mean that you suck it just means keep fighting and you could put out six albums and that seventh album could be what really changes everything for you but you just can't ever stop you're not allowed to if you're choosing music you can't just be like if this album i put out doesn't make me famous then i'm giving up music and i'm gonna become a real estate agent it's like dude just be a real estate agent anyway dude but keep making music (laughs) keep putting out albums that's so funny because why is it one or the other that's if i'm literally doing real estate classes right now because i'm like i'm just gonna do both dude yeah totally if i could sell one house and then go on tour that'd be sick like absolutely yeah i totally agree sorry there's like chill electronica music playing while i'm grabbing one more beer here (laughs) It's all good. It's <laughs> hey. all good. But um, I totally agree. And also on the topic of going on tour with bands that you know that you'd get along with right. or that would be like just a relaxing tour, the crowd feels that. Like when you jump up on stage and do a cover together or the other band singer comes out and sings the verses of a song or yeah. whatever, that that energy is what makes the show exciting. Like nobody wants to come see the same show year after year, just four dudes standing still on stage, singing you their sad songs or whatever, or their happy songs. It's like switch it up. And the best way to do it is to bring family or potential candidates of your family. Right. Um, Because it'll last forever. Like I always in Nashville, I've been there for 13 years and, you know, back before Cage was popular, Cage the Elephant guys, uh, there was a band called Autovon and they were wildly popular. They had like this Brit Arctic Monkeys sound mm. and they got signed to the same, to RCA with Cage, I believe. I may be wrong on the label, but I'm pretty okay. sure that's who it was. And then Autovon used to bring Cage the Elephant out on the road to open for them. And they would play like 500 cap rooms, 400. It was like us. It was like right. playing like little indie rooms. 
and then Audubon became immediately sort of outdated and there was already a Kings of Leon. There was already a Arctic monkey. Like there's their spot was filled. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> if you will. And then cage put out ain't no rest for the wicked. And then that exploded them. But then cage would bring out Audubon to open on their big fancy room tours right. because they were like, you took us out. Now we're taking you out. And it's just like, that's kind of, you know, you're establishing friendships and relationships that are like, no matter who's succeeding, we're going to keep raising each other up right. together, even if I'm more popular than you or right. maybe next year you're more popular than me. It doesn't mean you can immediately like, oh, I'm popular now. I don't have to respond to these like shitty bands emails anymore because I'm above it. It's like, right. that's how you become like a one man on top of a mountain by yourself and you're lonely kind of vibe it's like you're justin bieber i'm so lonely moment <laughs> totally absolutely man i i think like along the way people at least people have been asking me it's like yeah how'd you get so-and-so on your podcast how'd you get that it's like i just met them along the way i've been doing it a really long time and you kind of meet someone before they blow up or before whatever happens and you're you're still it's still like field medic that's still just kevin i met at a show in san francisco like you know him as field medic but i know him as the guy who was in a different band and he was just playing guitar in totally. that band and like it's stuff like that yeah. that happens all the time that like you just have to be nice, man. You just have to be nice and, and sweet to people. And, you know, you never know who you meet. And it's also not even about that. But, like, con you know, coincidentally, it will be, like, about that. Like, random people you meet along the way will do well. And maybe they take you out. Maybe they don't. And maybe you just have friends. And maybe you start a podcast. And here I am in my room, you know. Like, hey. random things happen. Yeah. And that, yeah. And making songs with other bands is so important. Right. Like, I think collaboration is like something that exists in country music. It exists in rap. It exists yeah, in sure. like hip. Yeah. And like, and pop music, like it's just everywhere, but it's not predominantly in indie rock or indie music in general. Only right. in the last years, like, like this new, like, you know, what is it? Avalanches and MGMT right. remakes that, or I mean, new song kind of like somewhere in, and then there's like a plain white tease song, I think, or something. There's like mm. a weird, band that just put a song out that sounds a lot like tame impala but it's just funny to watch these bands now they're like oh we should collaborate we both have a million followers but right. together we have two million and it's like indie bands need to be like i only have you know 30 to fifty thousand followers but if i find a band that also has 30 to fifty thousand i'm twice as big right and that's how you grow you know musically it's like it's no different than than any profession is like tag teaming something together, you're going to get it done in a bigger and faster and better way, I right. think. And, and it's more creative. And I think uh, that's something that we've done. And, and I just did with this first album I put out, I just hit up a bunch of friends like you did with this podcast. I was yeah. just like, hey, I can't tour. I, I can't release, you know, uh, I don't want to put out my own album by myself first because. I don't, no one knows who I am and no one listens to me. Yeah. So I would be, I'd be putting out a whole album to zero people yeah. and being like, I hope you like it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so getting to make songs with friends, it's fun because they were all made at different times. No one was in the room with me. All mm. of it was done file sharing over, you know, online. And uh, it came out sounding totally normal and both bands get to split the profits. It's like, cool. It doesn't seem very crazy to me, but 
you can grow really quickly if you stop focusing on you and you start focusing on a community, uh, especially when indie music isn't quite as large mainstream wise as country rap or pop. Right, right. It's like, we need all the help we can get. Yeah. So, you know, we should be collaborating with six bands on one song. Totally. totally. <laughs> you know, and be like, dude, and there's room with for all it. of us together. Yeah. yeah, totally. And with all of us together, like there's gonna be four verses and you guys just sing the bridge. It's like, we could make it work, but at least then maybe a million people might listen to it and we could all cheers each other and be like, good job. We're doing like, something. We yeah, all collectively yeah. made something that worked. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and, and like, look at gorillas, like gorillas is a, is a great example. Like he just brings in constant producers and different singers and different elements. And like, it's nowhere near like what he was making with rock music. But as soon as they separated, he became almost twice as famous just right. making really crazy electronic music that grew based upon who he collaborated with not right. just him but then after five six years now he has a name for himself and doesn't need necessarily someone else but yeah, he always does because Cool. Right, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and I think that's so important, Matt. I've said this a lot on this podcast too about the the, the need for collaboration. I want to get deeper into your record, though. Like, who was the first person you collaborated with? Like, how did it, how how did the whole file sharing thing that process go? Like, who had the original nugget for the song, and how where did you have all the original seeds for every song and sent it to them? And like, here's a song I think you would sound great on. How did that go? Yeah. Yeah, I um, the first person I worked with was Boyo, mm. and I love Boyo. Um, and again, it was just a band crush. All of these are band crushes of mine, right. really. When it comes down to it, it's like, and I, I tell them it's like my it's my digital scrapbook to where when I'm seventy years old, I can still get on whatever streaming service there is and listen to me singing with people I really respect right. when I was you know much younger. But yeah, I, I basically just created a bunch of music uh, with some friends of mine in my town. I, I would write something and I would sing a hook. I would sing like the chorus, uh, if you will, or the repetitive nature part of it, maybe a riff. And then I would just create an entire structure. Mm. And then I would think, where does, like, who do I know that this genre and this type of song make the most sense with? And then I would start at my dream list and I'd start at the top. And if no one would respond or someone was busy or something, right. I'd be like, let me make another song for someone similar and I'll just move this little part around or I'll add like some MIDI congas in the middle and it'll right. sound more like this and I can call this person. So I was more so just trying to pair um, people that either I was catering to their music and their listeners blended with me if it was like my version of it, my remix of their music done right. in an original song, or I would think like with Robert from Boyo, I was like, he would sound incredible over like a beach house meets beach boys concept. Mm -hmm. It's like slow and trancy, but there's tons of harmony and weird vocal melodies kind of carrying the rest of the song. And he was open to that. And likewise, like with Dent May, like, I've been a big fan of his long before I knew him. Right. And I would stay up and like, you know, I would like, you know, trip acid and listen to like <laughs> Dent May at night. And then whenever I, I would like be like, dude, warm blanket. Yeah. Like, 
all of it. Like I played the band from Mississippi to where like he, he was a staple in Oxford and Jackson. And so anyway, just, I, you know, uh, when I first collabed with him a few years ago on, in a different project with Okie Dokie, it was just weird because he just instantly responded and was like, I'm down. Like mm. he didn't even hear the song. He was just like, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah. He loves the collab for sure. He does. And yeah. he's got, he's got it figured out because he's so good at, understanding what a song is rather than like oh i wish it was more like this i'll just sing it to what i wish it was like yeah. and maybe it'll still come across it's like he knows how to take a song and all great writers know how to take a song and to you know make it the best that it can be of what it is mm -hmm. you know um no one wants to hear like you know i guess during like kind of croony 50s 60s sort of vibes you don't want to hear like someone doing like rap rock over it right, or right. like pod kind of stuff <laughs> totally but that dude just understands the whole again i always credit the beach boys just because i love brian wilson a lot and i like his songwriting styles and and dan always to me i always tell people is like our generation's brian wilson just in what he's able to create that is so original but also sounds incredibly timeless i feel like yeah it could easily be a 70s classic you know and tonal he has a tonality to his voice that sounds like he's like a, a wilson brother like one of the lost Definitely. wilson brothers which is which is like what yeah, drew me to his music in the it. first place yeah where does he get it from because like oxford mississippi yeah. everyone i know from there it's got a completely different accent. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know where he gets that. So. True. Yeah. I'm sure, I think it's there when you hear him talk. It's like a little in there, but not really. So I don't know. Yeah. He, he, I talked to him. Well, that's, uh, that's, I talked yeah. talk to him on this podcast, like at the beginning of the pandemic when his new record came out. And um, that was really fun. And uh, that's a good episode to go listen back to if you have time. But like, uh, yeah, uh, Dent's so cool, man. I, I I fell in love with his music around two, right when Warm Blanket came out, and uh, uh, I actually I still have Warm Blanket on vinyl. I DJed it last weekend, <laughs> like you know, it's great. Yeah, it's, dude. it's awesome. Yeah, and I always just, laugh because like some of them, I'm like, this would make a great like someone could remix this so well. Yeah, but then I'm like, they already are kind of like they're, they're dance like songs. Remix. Like yeah, yeah. One Too Late is a dance song that's totally. so good. And that, yeah. And then he coughs even. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're just like, dude, Dent is like a total nerd, but he's in there like cough tracking on a right. dance song. And then, like, I don't know. That sort of confidence and that sort of persona to me is, uh, it's pretty unique. Uh, it, do you do you remember the 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 show, the Little Giants, the movies? Oh yeah, the movie with the like little football team. Yeah. There was like one guy on the team that always like had tons of boogers coming out of his nose. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of it, he puts foam in his mouth and like he looks up at the linemen on the other team and he's got like foam coming out of his mouth and then he's like knocking them all over and they're like five times his size. I feel right. that way. Like Dent to me is like this like obscure talent that no one understands that if you put him next to someone that is wildly famous and you know, has millions of fans. I guarantee you, Dent could create and sing them under the table. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Which always it makes me glad that he's not popular because I get him to myself a little bit more. <laughs> I suppose he's more accessible. But, uh, yeah. Yes, but he should be. That guy should be light years ahead of the rest because he's really, really talented. I like him a lot. 
Yeah, he's the best, man. Like and and like understanding his brain, doing the podcast, like of where he, you know, he he likes someone like a Adam. What's his last? The one who passed away from COVID, uh, who wrote like that thing you do, and he wrote a lot of music for movies and Fountains of Wayne. Adam Schlesinger, uh, like and okay. like Dent wants to be like that, just like writing songs for movies and, and TV shows and 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 just being a cl- he's totally. just a cl- he just loves classic songwriting and that's why uh Dent is so so cool cuz I I relate I also love just classic songwriting like you know the nice verse chorus a solo break whatever like the classic structures and the classic melodies and the classic chords like that's uh Totally. I relate to that stuff too. The Beatles the Beatles, the Beatles coined it to a T. They did, and the best. people love and hate the Beatles. But man, they gave you exactly what you wanted. Right. There was never a part where you were like, "I don't really know where they're going with this." Yeah. It's like they immediately turn it right back around and sing exactly what you're expecting to hear. Like even in their original stuff, where he's like singing about not wanting to spoil your, spoil your party, so he'll yeah. go and just yeah. like stuff like that. It's like what a rock and roll statement to make. <laughs> as like one of your first few songs it's just like they already know they're the bad boys but they're wearing like suits and smoking cigs and like totally. not you know like they were just uh they were cool before cool was cool and they didn't even know it in the beginning which right. i think is you know i think that about like bands like twin peaks and stuff um you know even like the nude party it's like they probably you know don't know how cool they are right but I'm sure that looking back, you know, I'm sure their music will remain equally as timeless in this scene of sorts of just like, you know, I don't know, just like kids are going to be kind of blown away that um, those dudes were cool at like 17. Yeah, they were, <laughs> were so young. It took me, yeah, and it took me to like, you know, way too late, like a decade past them to understand a being comfortable enough to get on a stage and not right. feel really nervous and weird and on top of that to understand songwriting and stuff like those dudes at 17 were just like fuck it let's just put out a bunch of music and there's going to be like with nude party like there's going to be 10 of us or nine of us or whatever yeah. and it's going to work it's like what a pipe dream but totally you know um but they're great you know it took so much time like when I started the band when I was 20, 21, 22 to feel comfortable on stage, right. To like have a, a, a good base of like what an onstage performance is. And, and once you feel comfortable being able to elevate it and make a great show and then getting comfortable in the studio, which is something I had absolutely no idea how to do. Like all my early recordings, I'm just like, Oh my God. Like it was always working on a time limit. We only had like, okay, you guys got four hours to record this one song. You guys right? And right. Like we're, we're paying somebody else who doesn't understand the kind of tones we want. Like, and sure. like, we don't know how to like vocalize it. We want this kind of tone. Like we're trying to show them other songs. Like, do you think we can get something like this? And then it's like an older dude, older engineer. who's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, it's too much reverb. You guys don't want that much reverb on your voice. And you're like, kind of do, do though. We kind of <laughs> <Yeah>, do. <laughs> yeah. So, and that took time. Yeah. And do you feel that way about live shows too? Like kids don't understand. Like sometimes we've had kids come up to us at the end of the show and be like, last time you guys were here you sounded like a lot better like we don't know like like and then you're like well this is nice like i do appreciate really blunt kids yeah like or anyone like an adult anybody to be honest but i'm also like that dude behind the board back there that's controlling what you guys hear he's never listened to our band he he's probably listening to like leonard skinner and acdc and then has to move into this venue 
against his will to try to listen to like to our band for an hour on stage to yeah, try to get sound check going. Totally. Yeah. And like, and like for sure, just cause we're like, we're the same way. We love tons of reverb. We like, you know, Aaron always says like, we want to sound spooky and yeah, yeah, like yeah. he always says the ghost of Christmas past. And I'm like, yeah, that's totally what we want to sound like. But whenever we listen to live recordings back, you know, our Super voices dry. are just like bone dry, bone yeah, dry, yeah. bone dry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that happens all the time, man. Like, like, especially when you're on tour and you don't, you can't, you know, it's really hard to afford your own sound person. Like, uh, it's just, it's so tough. And, and in Santa Barbara, I can at least control it. Cause I can ask a friend who I trust to do the sound, but like, ah, uh, that'd be totally. nice. That'd be nice to get to that level where I can just like take the same person on tour and just like make sure it sounds dialed in every day. And that's why headliners always sound so good. They have their person, they have, you know, or they have like, uh, yeah. uh, what's that little thing where you can program your sound and then you just plug it into each board? I don't know. It's like a as my bass player was telling me about it on tour. But you can like program your own settings. And then like for each board, you just hand to the sound guy and like, here's what we want. Adjust, but like this is pretty sure. much what we want. Adjust for the room. I but, guess yeah. that would work as long as you're always using a digital board right? Yeah, that works with that type of card i guess that could work yeah yeah um, most most venues uh, like a, a SD, like a, room yeah 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 sd card thing yeah we got lucky uh and i'm sure you've had similar situations where like the headliner does have a sound guy mm. and then that sound guy will be like i'm already here i've been out on the road with you guys for weeks let me like let me yeah. run sound for you guys tonight just toss me like 30 bucks or something right 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 um and yeah, it was funny. Like we met a guy on that no vacation tour. The sound guy, his name's Cooper Davis. He's a Jersey guy. He did the whole tour with them, their whole EU tour. Cool. He just had their sound. Like he brought his own board. So every oh, night shit. they sounded the exact same. Like I kid you not, it was like a flaw. It was like listening to a record every Whoa. night because he had it figured out. And so after a few weeks, he was just like, dude, I'm just going to start recording y'all sets because I already have my board. Everything's up. Like, I'll just do whatever. And now he's like working on putting together like a live album from oh, different yeah. nights of different cities and stuff. And I'm just like, that is a cool sound guy. Like the not yeah. cool sound guy is the guy that like calls you the wrong name five times in a row and like forgets to turn on your amp mic or whatever. And you're just like, what's right, going right. on? And then he's like, I got to take a sig break. And you're like, we haven't oh. done anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a majority of the sound guys. I feel like sometimes they just, you know, and I get it. Every night you've got to mix bands, but right. you've got to really love music to be a sound guy. Like that is a job and an engineer in a studio. Like that's a job where you hardly see the sunlight. I feel like you're just right. locked in a room with your ears focused. Especially uh, recording engineers, man. Like studio time can go by so fast. It's like a fucking time machine. You look up and you're like, oh, it's already like eight o'clock. We've been in right. here for twelve, like eight hours already. Like shit. Do you do you not record yourself? Uh, very, very rarely. Like we recorded um the album Rare Attractions by ourselves, except for the one track we did with Jonathan Rado. Uh, we did our first album with Jonathan cool. Rado, and then uh the new album we flew in Paul Cherry. But we basically did that ourselves in our in our studio. Yeah. Cool. I know Paul's about there. to move to L.A. That's what I heard. I heard about that. That's the word on the street, he said. 
Yeah, I got the the low Does he have to though? But the source. does he have to? <laughs> that's that's why I say like I yeah, think you that, can live it. In in the way the music industry is now, I don't. You don't have to live anywhere. You can live everywhere. You're no, the no, internet. No. It's a perfect personal preference. I agree. Yeah. And like, man, there is a. I hate knocking on states or cities because like, it's not anyone's choice of where they live or are raised or anything. Like, it's like even being on this earth, we didn't choose to be born. We just happen to be here right, right now right. doing exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. But Little Rock, Arkansas, to me has always just been one of the most confusing places and i'm always like do people live here like i love hot springs i go there very very often it's close to my dad's my dad lives on the louisiana arkansas texas border Mm -hmm. so like i love the areas but little rock any we've played there like two or three times and i'm always just like i don't think people live here or or like we're wildly unpopular here which could be but anyone we've ever talked to has been like yeah i just don't you know, I don't know how to get kids to show up there. Meanwhile, I get on Instagram the other day and I see this band that started following me. I click them. They're called Joan mm. and they're from Little Rock, Arkansas. Nice. And they make like really interesting 90s pop music, like funny, cool. but like cool. It's like it's like Hot Flash Heat Wave or like The Garden sort of in the meeting of those two, cool. like visually. But then they make like almost like, and I'm not making this up. It's like almost like, a cool Backstreet Boys, very bizarre. <laughs> Sweet. But they have like they have like I mean they have tons of followers, and I'm like and I messaged them just like, are you guys lying? Like, do you actually live in Little Rock? And they're like, yeah, we do. And I'm like, that's insane. Like, <laughs> I can't believe it. But it it just like you're saying, it goes to show you can live anywhere and yeah. and have a successful career. All it takes is having great art and yeah. being open and willing to travel all the time. Because if you can put in you know, 200 dates a year for like four or five years. It sounds insane, but like, that's kind of what you have to do. It's like small businesses typically fail in the first three or four years, even like restaurants or coffee shops. Mm -hmm. So like bands, we have a fraction of that income. So we have to work twice as hard, you know, Um, not to say that small businesses aren't working hard, but we have to like get four guys in a van, drive eight hours a day to get paid $250 a night in hopes that random people decide to show up to buy merchant. It's like, it's a very oh, yeah. sketchy it's, it's, biz. It's a traveling salesman. <laughs> you yeah, know, totally. we go from like, city to city. <laughs> yeah. Here's our, here's our merch. We have shirts, records, like that's like the brick and mortar. Basically we set up and that's why some venues want a percentage. Cause they, which I don't, which I don't agree with, but like, cause they, oh, I, yeah. I, that is my pet peeve. I will literally battle. I've gotten in yeah. many of vocal fights and I'm the least confrontational person in the world. I yeah. never see a reason to argue or fight if I don't have to. Right. But every time people come up to us and they're like, all right, we need 15% of y'all's merch tonight. Keep track of your merch. Yeah. I'll just end the night and be like, we sold two CDs later. Yeah. And I'm just like, you're not going to, we paid. If the venue wants to cover the cost with us on making it, then yeah. I'm happy to, or like, you know, as bands, you're paying your management 15% of all, um, you know, of all income made, right? right? And if you have an agent, you're paying 10% of all shows, right? right? So every night you play a show, 25% of your income is gone to your team, right? Yeah. So instantly you you play like, let's say a $200 opening gig, like $50, you have $150 <laughs> to pay four guys. Yeah. And then the, the venue is going to come in and say, 
hey, give us 15% of what actually will help you guys like buy ramen noodles yeah. and get gas. So then that, that's where I'm like, yo, then give me 5% of your bar sales because we brought oh, the yeah. people here. Right. That's where I'm like, if that's the way you want to play it, then give me a part of what you've got. I'll give you a part of what we've got. Yeah. And let's just party tonight. But oh, they'll, they'll fight you. Yeah, they'll fight you. As soon as you start bringing up the bar tab, like, oh, I'll take a, a percentage of the bar then. That's where they get really defensive. And, Absolutely. Because they know and, they just made $7,000 at the bar. Like, I've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've seen I've seen the tabs when you check out, you see, you know, like, yeah, they it, make yeah. they make more at the bar than we did at the show. Even if it's like a door deal and we sold out and, you know, you make four grand and, and then you look and that, oh, you still made seven grand. Holy shit. Like, how are, how are we still getting looking, and the totally in the talent buyers? His job is to always seem like underwhelmed. Yeah. His job yeah. is to always be like, we could have done better, guys. Like yeah. next show, we're really going to push it. And I'm yeah. like. Yo, like, I know that those bartenders made tons of tips. I know that your business doesn't cost $7,000 a day. And I know that your owner is probably driving like a Mercedes and living in a comfy home. But we're all renting places and we're in a fucking metal bullet driving 70 miles down a highway every day to get to you. So, like, come on, just be nice to us. And a lot of the venues are. And the venues that are nice to you, they're the venues that we want to go back to every time. You know, like, I found you know, a huge community in just the people that work at a lot of these places that we play. So if we go back and we don't see them, we're bummed out. And yeah. like, we have certain places that like the employees will special request to work the nights that we're playing so that we can all like hang out and laugh right. and crack jokes. And going back to the whole purpose of your podcast again, it's like all of it is very dependent on just kindness and, and, and accepting that anyone's kindness or, or support or, or them sharing you or telling their friends or you telling them about like for us to be like, you know, Saturn in Birmingham is wonderful or like songbird in Chattanooga or the Burl in Lexington. These are all places that are, they go out of their way for you, you know? Um, and they don't have to, like, they don't have to be like, here's a free place to stay. And it's got 10 bunk beds and, there's beer in the fridge for free. Don't worry about it. Like we got you guys. We ordered yeah. you pizza. Other venues are like, here's a, here's two tokens to get you two PBRs <laughs> and there's carrots yeah. and celery in the back. Right. And you're like, you think we only eat carrots and celery? Like, yeah. look at me, man. I'm a grown man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I believe it, man. Yeah, I think mm. it's uh, you have to shout out those places that help out these young bands as you, as you try and navigate your career and your early these early stages or just a stage in of your career of playing these random shows and and uh, it's good and and yeah man the podcast is just so crazy it's free it's like the only thing I do that I don't want money for I don't ask for money it's just like the podcast is free I want to promote people I hope people listen I see the listenership growing at least on the audio side like every month so I feel like. I'm feeling pretty good. I think something is happening. It's taking time. It's taking grinding every month, just making sure that I do it all the time, which has been really easy during the pandemic because what else am I fucking doing? Uh, I saw a lot of people start podcasts during the pandemic. I wonder how many will stay. Like, I'm always wondering, I'm like, okay, you're in it now. Like, but this is a very unique space. Like, I'm sure as soon as the world opens up again, you'll be out. You won't give a fuck about this. Well, I, on the other hand, will give a fuck about this after the world opens because this is just totally. what I like to do. If, if anything, I'm more excited because I want to get back to doing these in person again. Like the first couple episodes were face to face and like sure. that was awesome. 
and and yeah. now I, I can't wait to get back to just doing these face to face again and because there's just an energy like you and yeah, i are having definitely. a great conversation but i can tell sometimes zoom is really difficult for some people and it's like yeah you know you seem like you do do you do these a lot do you do interviews or do you talk a lot on zoom for work or for whatever i talk to people a lot okay. in general so like i you know I, at my coffee job, I have to talk to people. So right, it's right. really helped my social skills a lot. <laughs> totally. <laughs> to just be like, hey, how are you? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, yeah, but, you know, I, I feel like um, I feel like I, I like people. And the, and it's a part of why I like not only the idea of music, but traveling and touring. Because, you know, there those are the those are the things you remember, you know, and even if they get fuzzy because you've toured for so many years and things run together, you mm -hmm. still had all those memories and you still had all those experiences. And, and, you know, there's two of you that had them usually, or a few of you to where right. even if you forget other people rem will remind you and you'll be like, <laughs> Oh yeah, that was really, really fun. Like I love that, you know? Totally. Um, so I, you know, I, I think that music is great, but I think this past year has shown us more than ever that like, being together and experiencing it in person and you know having open dialogue on stage to the crowd and after the show you know together it just everything yeah. it's it, it 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 is the difference of like feeling gratified and also like really doing it and just like you otherwise like even just putting out singles during covid right. you feel like you're just sort of like trying to throw out like appetizers to keep people like sort of still feeling it to where when yeah, you do yeah. come back hopefully they haven't forgotten about you it's like it's like the forget-me-nots it's like right hey don't forget we're still around it's just covid you know right <laughs> um so like you know you know like okie dokie's put out an album and an ep i put out a collab album and recorded another album and then okie dokie's about to drop another album at the end of the summer of some stuff so we just kind of took the time to just create endless amounts of stuff right. just because we had nothing else to do, you know? So yeah. it's getting to that point though, where if anyone has that same idea of like, maybe I should really stock up some stuff like the next two months or three months are kind of the last of it because then touring normal touring kind of starts again in August, you right. know? So that's what it's looking like, huh? It's like, October, yeah, August. Yeah. Do you guys have anything planned, so Okie Dokie or uh, local opener? Are, are you hitting the road? Yeah, yeah. We we have a bunch of stuff in the summer and the fall, and we're kind of just booking every city. So if there's a city out there, we're probably playing it. Yeah, um, outdoor shows inside a venue. Stuff. Like, what are these shows looking it's like? It's every it's every it's everything. It's kind of dependent on the size of the city, right? Mm. So in certain places. We, if venues have outside options, we request the outside. Cool. Uh, in other cities, they'll, you know, have stipulations to where it's 50% capacity. It just sort of depends on the place. So, you know, again, like the band's all, you know, shot it up and, you know, feels pretty right. fine even now. But, um, I think there's also a kindness in waiting and not being the first to do anything. And I know that there are leaders that will, you know, push forward and lead the pack. Right. But when it comes to things that are touchy and risky, 
for health or for, you know, like the world of sorts, yeah. you feel like an obligation and not want to be the first. So once we saw tours were starting to get announced, we reached out to our agent and we were like, hey, let's, you know, let's try to fill these rooms, yeah. you know, um, and save time. So we're aiming towards, you know, October, November and stuff with scattered cool. like weekends from like June, July, August. And stuff, okay. So. so just like a couple weekend shows, uh, weekend warrior. Yes. Which yeah. I love. I yeah, love totally. That. It's really nice. Okay. So that way it's you can a keep, healthy amount. You can keep the coffee gig, hit the road, take a couple weekends off and then come yeah. back and okay. Yeah. Until everybody wants to start a Kickstarter for indie bands and donate <laughs> billions of dollars. Yeah. I think most of us will still have coffee jobs. It was funny, even on the No Vacation tour, like three of us on the whole tour were baristas. So like we'd yeah. like kick it together and go to coffee shops and like <laughs> say really snarky things. And like, even though we're totally not weirdos, but then when we were on the uh, Somersault Breakup Shoes tour, I went to Manhattan to the coffee shop that Harrison from No Vacation worked at. Nice. And we like bombarded his coffee shop while he was working without telling him. And we That's were like, hilarious. yo, what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> That's but hilarious. I love the coffee community, like coffee and music. And the other day, you know, in California, you can buy weed. I don't know if you knew this. Yeah, and, I do. Um, yeah, and at the coffee shop or at the weed shop, the lady was just like, man, weed and music, man. Like, where would one be without the other? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess so. <laughs> but then I was just like, that's also like could be said for like coffee with certain genres and then beer with like right. beer and cocaine with country music. It's like, I guess if you're talking like Cheech and Chong, like their funny songs or like Snoop Dogg or like, right. You know what I learned is that Louis Armstrong was an avid weed smoker and endorsed mm. and like endorsed the shit out of it. I had no idea. That's crazy. Like, I thought Louis Armstrong was just like a classic, just like horn guy and like yeah. wore tux and stuff. Dude is on the record constantly just being like weed is not a drug it's a flower like there you go I, like where would we be without it and i was yeah. like louis armstrong said that like that's insane <laughs> that's crazy but i feel that way and the rest of the band you know is scattered on that idea of it all but i i uh i enjoy um the connection of music with everything and that's what's really funny is like whether you're addicted to capri suns or tang or ginger ale or coca-cola or beer or liquor or whatever music expresses all those things like yeah. you know it's like even candy you know like you make me feel like candy or like yeah aaron carter put out a cover of it and it was his number one shitty song it's right. like clearly like everything relates to music because music describes everything so i think it's so funny when like at least heady people are like you know without drugs where would music be and i'd be like dude without women where would music be without right. men where would music be like all of it centers around everything. It's like right. I could write a song right now about plants and rocks and and little roadrunners running around, but it you know it doesn't require you know me eating a roadrunner to understand <laughs> how to write a song about a roadrunner. But yeah, totally. I don't know. I just uh, I think uh, I think I'm with you in that I would like to die old and still pushing out music like John Prine vibes. It's right. like that dude that I can. Uh, I remember everything song he put out right before he died. It's like the saddest song in the whole world. And he's basically just saying that like, even though I know I'm about to die, 
my memory is right there. Like yeah. I remember every facet of everything I've ever done. And I'm super ex- like, I'm happy with that. That's enough for me. And I, I love that. Like, I love like, even like I hurt myself today by Johnny cash right, right. before he passed away. They're writing the most heartfelt, like those are the most key songwriters, at least in that genre. And they still wound up singing a very similar song, like within months of them dying. And you're like, there's got to be something there that like the whole, the whole dream is to always at least remember as much as you can and be happy so that at the end you've left behind it's like when they say, like, leave it on the court. Right. It's like, if you're going to play a game, you better put your all out there. That's right. And that's where I'm like, those dudes are putting it all out there. And then at the end of it, right before they pass away, they're like, I remember every little facet. And I remember yeah. it all, and I loved it. And I had a blast. It's, it's, it's really nice to hear old people sing and not sing in a jaded way. You know, totally. like, sort of like, uh, I guess you could say, like, the Oasis concept, <laughs> you know, with the brothers. <laughs> It's like that's the that's the opposite, I guess you could say, you right. know. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm no, glad I, that there's other people that want to be happy uh, forever. <laughs> totally, I, I completely agree, man. That's like leave it all on the court is something that I've told myself. Uh, leave it all on the stage, like post show. I am worthless, <laughs> like because I am so tired. Right. I am just drained. I'm yeah. sweating. I ran out into the crowd. Like I'm, yeah, I'm talking to people. I'm telling jokes on stage. Like it's like a full fucking thing. And I really put a lot of my energy into that set. So after the show, I'm fucking zonked, dude. I'm laying on the couch, like in the back. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I guess I'll go get the money. Thanks, guys. Like, can you pack? <laughs> can you pack up? Like, I, you know, I've also have like s- slowly gotten a smaller amp. A lighter guitar. Like I don't bring my hollow body out anymore. I bring a smaller guitar, just like a jazz master. Like I've been in the yeah. process of making myself so so much lighter because I I feel at the end of my shows I'm just so beat. I'm just so tired. Yeah. Like, and and uh, I'm in the yeah. same boat. We're the same person, dude. I'm right. the same way. Gone from like a half stack to a two twelve to a now yeah. one twelve, and I'm just like yes, <laughs> yes. Mic it up. It will sound good. Just. I want to make this yeah. easy. And you want to save space in the van. Like, I used to take my Fender Twin, and that shit took up, like, I don't know, a, a third of the of the back of the van. Like, <laughs> totally. It was just, and it's like, for what? For yeah. what? The t- you know, yeah. There was this, uh, there was this band I played with years ago, and, and the guitarist's dad was in a very famous band in the 70s. And when we would play Birmingham, where his dad lived, we would have his old band open the night right oh, cool. so like all these mega old people and like the there was a woman front you know she was the front woman and she wore like this like flowy like hippie thing and would sing sexual songs wow it was very awesome it was very cool to watch old people you know like the wow. pedal steel player had to be like carried on stage he looked like oh, the crypt keeper but but he, they're just nailing it and whenever we were up in the green room before the show, the whole band was laughing at us and we were like, what? And the Sam's dad was like, man, one day y'all are going to get old and you're not going to want to wear those tight pants and those boots <laughs> and all like in that shirt. And he's wearing sweatpants and Crocs. Yeah, and he's totally. like, I love what I wear on stage. And he literally <laughs> walked up on stage, 
took his Crocs off, put them to the side and just played in sweatpants and a t-shirt. <laughs> and he's like, this is where it's at. And I was like, I Hell hope yeah. that when I'm like 65, 70, your boy's going to be up there in Crocs and sweatpants for Hell sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I basically wear that on stage. I, I'm very comfortable on stage. Like I don't wear shoes. I wear like Croc sandals. Like that's like my sure. main, that's like You're my main there. tour get up, man. Like I'm, I'm, I'm built for comfort. <laughs> Absolutely. My croc sandal it. actually That's snapped. Great. I bought these things five years ago and the croc look sandal oh, hook no. thing finally snapped. So now I need a new pair and I'm bummed. Those Dang. things last forever though. It's like the Dang. super strong rubber and they're super comfy. It's true. You'll be almost 36 when you need another new pair. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, dude. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad, dude. Yeah. I've, I've gone full dad mode, man. Okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Let's promote whatever you want to promote do it. uh what do you got going on what's the best way for people for to support you in this moment man i don't know i mean just i guess listen on whatever way you can stream i just put out a full collab album with lots of great people uh various sort of styles so if you're into eclectic stuff you might enjoy it i'm about to drop another new album right after here at the end of june um okie dokie's got a bunch of new stuff we're actually uh gonna drop a little covers surprise cool batch of stuff here soon so we get weird with it and um yeah and i you know i guess with supporting random things uh you know if you're an artist and you're listening and you make any amount of income a year with music you know reach out uh for musicians health alliance i I support them a lot in town and they give free health care and free dental care. Wow. If you make any income in the music industry and I've managed to break my hand, you know, at a show once and I got it all fixed for free and wow. I've had cavities from eating candy right. and being a bad boy yeah. and gotten those stuff for free. So, you know, without, you know, as a musician, you don't have much money, but if you even make five to 10,000 a year touring, you know, hit up musician musicians health alliance and cool. And at least if anything bad happens to you, you're covered and there's great people working for you and it's all free. So it's totally awesome. worth it. That's awesome. Yeah, man. Well, hell yeah. Well, dude, well, thanks so much for uh, hanging out. It was really fun talking to you. Yeah, totally. It was good talking to you too, man. I'm sure I'll see you very soon. Very soon. Very soon. Talk soon. <laughs> see you, buddy. <laughs>